The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, Conor Faulkner, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Hello. Conor Faulkner, who's a, a transport commentator and a CEO of the RIAC. We are talking e-scooter regulation. Yeah. Remind us of where we are. Well, we're nearly there. We should be there. And we've been talking about this for a couple of years, but we do know ha- now have the uh, Roads and Traffic Act of 2023. So we have the law. We have the law. Now, this was originally a Roads Bill 2021. So, like, it took two years to get the law, which is a bit crazy. But it was signed by the President on the 23rd of June. So we're there. The law is there. However... Before a law goes live, it has to be commenced by regulation. So the department has to draft the regulations that give effect to the law. The minister then signs off on those on something called commencement order and we're live. So we don't have the regulation yet. We don't have the list of rules uh, uh, which have to be obeyed if you're going to ride an e-scooter. Now, Now, we know what it's going to look like in primary legislation. So we know that the maximum speed will be 25 kph. We know that there's provision there to bring in a helmet requirement if the minister requires it. And we know that they'll essentially be like bikes. That's all decided as soon as we get the regulations drafted and and the law goes live. Now, there's a reason why e-scooters suddenly became a thing. Well, it really was sudden. Um, And people will remember reading about e-scooters maybe 10, 15 years ago. Um, The the rechargeable, the small rechargeable lithium battery only came along 10 years ago, 2013. And that was the big enabler. But 2018 was the takeoff year for e-scooters because that's when public sharing schemes were set up by companies called Ride and Lime. Initially in California, Santa Santa Monica was the first city to do it in California. And it's only six years ago. Um, And it spread like wildfire. Californian cities, then immediately to Europe. Paris, famously, made a pig's ear of it twice. Um, They, you know, invited them in without any regulation, created a Wild West scenario, then decided they hated it, so conducted a really flawed, borderline undemocratic plebiscite and chucked them all out. They were probably wrong twice on that. Uh, But right around the world, jurisdictions everywhere are looking at this brand new technology and drafting laws to govern it. Now, uh, the problem is you could still have a a push scooter yourself, Mm. you know, which would require no regulation at all uh, at the moment. Yes. And some of them were quite adult. I remember many Christmases ago uh, getting uh, one for our girls and it was great fun to ride Mm. myself, you know. Um, So all of those that sort of began belonged in a legal grey area was it, a, was it a, a moped was it a push started mo- really antiquated regulations like you had to push start it uh, you'll note that a lot of those e-scooters have to be push started rather than a switch uh, no good reason for that other than compliance with archaic yeah. law but don't forget with the bicycles as well you're supposed to be pedalling on an e-bike theoretically now, I see well, some were. of them now and yeah. as soon as you put a little bit of pressure on the pedal off it goes, off it goes. like a rocket well now all of that sort of technical distinction is gone Uh, gone with the new law. The new law says it's an e-bike and an e-bike is grand. If it's a light vehicle, if it's lower than 25 kph, then for all legal purposes, it's a bicycle. So wherever you see in law, bicycle, think e-bike has the same Mm. rules. Could you get then the equivalent of um, a moped Mm -hmm. and, you know, if it goes less than 25 kilometres an hour and much more comfortable to ride than maybe a a scooter, would that qualify? Well, it depends on what powers the moped. Um, But but if if it's a... If it's electric, electric moped. Yeah, I believe so. It it counts as a bike, counts as a bike, counts as a bike. And that's what most countries are doing, Pat. There are exceptions. There are some wonky countries out there. But in the broadest sense, certainly around Europe, there's there's European consensus. Uh, There's a couple of countries, the Germans, the Spanish, 
Spanish, that uh, the Norwegians, funnily enough, that are actually going for a lower speed limit for these things, 20 kph. Yeah. But they're slightly outliers. And for anything manufactured or sold in the European Union, it'll be 25. That's our law here. Everybody agrees they can use cycle tracks. Everybody agrees they cannot use pavements. Nobody on the globe is demanding that they have registration plates uh, and licenses in that sense, with the single exception of Singapore, which is, mm. you know, maybe a bit of I a I would wonky. be surprised if Bermuda, with which I'm familiar, uh, wouldn't have that they kind of thing, because I think similar, your push yeah. bike has to be identifiable. Well, you know, there's a funny one in Latvia, closer to home in the European Union. They actually have an obscure law. It's well known. You need a license for a bicycle in Latvia, even as a child. I think originally the concept was teaching kids road safety, but you can't get on a bike. In Belgium, a you need a license to play golf. Well, there you go. Um, but I, I know in the Latvian case, it's totally unenforced. It's not intended for, you know, adult mm. tourists visiting. Okay. Now, now, some of the issues, and I don't know how our regulation will get around them, but when you're sharing a cycle lane, for mm. example, with an ordinary push bike. Yes. Someone who's not electrically powered mm-hmm. and they're struggling along at a certain yeah. speed and then whiz comes the scooter or whiz come the e-bike. Yes. What happens then? Well, uh, normal rules of the road apply. And again, if you just forget the, the engine or the motor for the moment, that exists already. If you imagine the guy like zipping down the hill of Hoth in his spandex at uh, at very fast speeds or somebody commuting in town, a lot of those new cycle tracks they put in aren't great really. I know as somebody who uses them regularly, if you've got those plastic wands, then the cyclists are single file. And that's quite frustrating if you're on a big bike, you've got a head of steam up, you're trying to get into town and there's a slow moving, you know, mum with kids in a trike arrangement or something like that. They're obviously brilliant to have them on the road, but you know, the, the cyclist behind behind them feels a little stuck. Mm. It's no different, really, when the bike in question is e-powered. And that's what we'll have to get used to. So as I say, the simple rule of thumb, it's a bike, it's a bike, it's a bike. Until it gets too big and then it's a motorbike. Um, There was a debate uh, on radio about uh, the Be Safe, Be Seen. I think it was Mm. our breakfast programme was talking about Mm. it. There was a councillor from Galway on um, who was outraged that one of the kids in in a kind of a bike train going to school had a bit of an incident and a guard came along and said, were you wearing high vis? You weren't? Shrugged, the guard shrugged the shoulders and said, so there. Now, I don't know what the provenance of that story is. Yeah, well, guards shouldn't be shrugging their shoulders when interacting with citizens. Well, do you believe it? Maybe. Um, I don't believe that a guard in Galway would look at an injured child and say, you weren't wearing high-vis? I, I wouldn't. I simply wouldn't believe that our guardy behave like that. It, 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 it um, yeah. Look, it would surprise me. But to the substance of the point, uh, do you advise people to wear high vis? Of course you do. I mean, for goodness sake, on a rural road when it's dark, we're going to head into the dark winter months. If you've got access to high vis, of course you should use it. That's that's pure common sense. There are people out there who sort of take the religious point of view um, that, you know, the cyclist must have priority in every sense, including why should I have to wear special clothes? You should expect me and you should make sure I'm safe. Slow cars down, stop cars and do not tell cyclists that they have to. But you slow down, of course, when you see a cyclist. The question is, if you don't see them, you know, and you're on a country road, for example, you don't see them because they've no illumination. The thing about cars, by and large, except for the person with the wonky taillight or the Mm. wonky headlight, Cars are very visible. Yeah, they are. And so should bikes be. And you look, it's it's almost a joke as, you know, the, the most innocent crime you can commit, no lights on the push bike. It's actually pretty serious. That's that's pretty damn dangerous. And everybody who uses the roads needs to be a responsible road user. And, and that does include children. I mean, since time immemorial, we've been teaching tots about the safe cross code yeah. uh, because roads have the capacity to be dangerous. They're a great deal safer than they used to be, notwithstanding recent wobbles. Uh, they've been 
improved out of all measure, but it's one of the things you're exposed to every day where there's risk. And of course, you've got to teach kids around that. And of course, you've got to teach kids to be safe and be sensible. Be but very the, the debate was whether or not, uh, you know, blaming people who weren't wearing high vis when they get into an accident is victim blaming. And you shouldn't be doing that. The person who committed the offence is the motorist who whacked them irrespective of whether the other individual was lit up or not. You know, I I, I cordially dislike the whole notion of victim blaming. You know, if if, if I walked down Grafton Street and I told you, God almighty, I had a thousand quid stolen in Grafton Street. How did that happen, Connor? Well, I had it stuck in my back pocket while I was on the phone. Part of you would say, Oh, come on, you idiot. What are you thinking? Do we call that victim blaming? Do we think I'm at fault rather than the pickpocket? Clearly not. But you've got to give sensible advice in sensible contexts. It'd be an irresponsible parent who says to, to, says to the child, don't worry about it, run across the road. It's the car's job to look out for you. Okay, it's so, so what do you think we're going to do? Are we going to require any kind of extras? Are we going to require helmets? Are we going to require high-vis outside the urban areas? Well, we may require helmets. There's a provision for that in the primary law. Actually, it's not one I agreed with, but I I don't mind having lost that aspect of the debate. It's there in primary law. So that's now up to the minister whether he switches that regulation Mm. on or not. We have a lot of stuff in primary law that's never commenced. So the answer to that is still kind of out there. It's up to the minister. But there will be nothing else, Pat. And as I say... Because I mean, the the high-vis garment on someone who's actually doing a serious commute from Mm -hmm. a country area, if you are even going to connect with an intercity train or an intercity bus service and you've got to do three or four kilometres along a country road on your scooter, uh, your e-scooter, and then you pack it up and you get on the bus, I'd like to think that you would want to be wearing high-vis so you would be seen. Well, exactly. Well, look, lights will be compulsory as with bicycles. Should high-vis be compulsory? Should helmets be compulsory? Fair questions, but they don't differ between the e-bike and the bike. We don't have a helmet law for bikes at the moment, for example. There are people who argue that we should. There's another yeah. argument that says when you when you make it mandatory, you actually reduce the number yeah. of cyclists. It's not a great idea. That's kind of an open question, but any rule will be the same bikes and e-bikes. No legal distinction. No legal distinction. All right. Well, we await those regulations. We should have them. God knows. Yeah, shout out to Alan Farrell, TD, in fairness to him. He, he has been chasing the department for those regulations since before the primary legislation was signed. He's right. They should have them ready by now. And one they way don't. or the other, there will be war. We know that. Oh, well, yeah, then nothing changes there. Conor Faulkman, uh, who's a transport commentator and CEO of the RIAC, thank you very much for joining us. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk.